welcome to episode 137 of the Cricket Her Weekly. Um, we are going to start by talking a bit about the 100 because we actually had a couple of questions come in over the last week in relation to the 100, um, which I believe was in relation to the stuff that we talked about last week in relation to um, the, the things that Alex Stewart had said at the Cricket Society Awards lunch about the 100 and Surrey not really being very keen on it. Um, so there was a question um, from Ben um, saying, why can't we keep the 100 for women and not for men? Um, and another one, kind of on similar lines from Margaret on Twitter saying, um, surely adding women to the T20 blast and getting rid of the 100 would solve so many problems. So I do you want to start with that, Sid? Well, I think that there's obviously the, the, a lot of the men's counties, if you actually ask them directly about the situation with the women's 100, you're going, well, you want, you want to abolish the, the men's 100, but what about the women? And they're saying, well, we should keep the women's mm. 100 because you know, that's the obvious thing to say. And I think that they're you know, acknowledging, as they have to, the success of the women's 100. And the, the, the issue there, though, is you have to ask that if that happened, is it really going to get the same traction? You know, is it really going to get the same levels of continued investment mm -hmm. if the men's competition isn't also involved in it? Are we really going to see, you know, salaries continue to increase? Are we really going to, you know, see the kind of all that, that extra stuff that goes into the 100, the, all the, the effort that they make to make up the ground so that they, there's a consistent branding across the 100, all of the marketing and, you know, commercial tie-ins. Is, is all that going to stay if the men's competition goes? I just that, can't see it. I think that we're yeah. really tied in with the men's competition yeah. here. And that, that that's, you know, it's where we are. I totally understand that for many of our viewers and for many, many people out there, this isn't where they want to be, but it is where we are now. And where we are now, I just feel that taking out the men's competition and leaving the women's competition to try and stand alone at this point just is not going to be a positive outcome ultimately for the women's competition. So that's where we, we look at with that one. The other what about thing this is... thing of like maybe folding the women and having a women's T20 blast? What do you think about that, Raf? <laughs> yeah. I mean, um, if you were going to do that, then you might as well have kept the Kia Super League in some ways. Um, I think that the difficulty with that, of course, is that we've set up now a women's structure that's based on regions that are aligned with the 100 franchises rather than counties. So you can't just fold in women now with the T20 Blast. It wouldn't be very... Um, it, would, it would be quite difficult to do with the new structures that we've got. So there's a structural issue there. Um, I think the other thing is that um, I kind of agree with you that actually um, one of the one of the reasons the hundred has been successful is and and the research that I've been doing on this at Bournemouth University where we've actually interviewed people or we've actually done focus groups with people who attended the hundred um, is that the reason that people went to the women's matches in the hundred and, and have kept going in the second year is that um, actually it's that brand new competition and it's the fact that they treat it as the same and it's been marketed as the same by the ECB from the outset. You can't do that with an established competition like the Blast. It doesn't work. And that's why double headers in the Blast, which they have tried on occasion. Um, I'm sure that, um, for example, Warwickshire played a match um, at Edgbaston before or after one of, the, one of the Blast matches a few years ago. Um, yeah, and didn't and Sparks it, play a doubleheader with Warwickshire this year as well? Okay. A blast oh, Charlotte Edwards yes. Cup doubleheader yes, as well. Yes, they did and have it, a couple it, of those. It was they? not a success. It's no, actually you don't a, get the crowds. Basically, nobody stayed. No, you don't get the crowds, um, and it's because those competitions aren't aligned. 
Um, and even if you did try to bring the women into the men's blast and say, okay, well, we're going to have the women's, the women's Birmingham Bears or whatever, so you'd have to totally scrap everything that's been what we've worked to achieve with the regional brands and the regional names. So you'd have to totally scrap that and go, okay, we're going to have the women's Birmingham Bears. You still wouldn't get what you've got in the 100, which is this new thing where people have from the start of the competition built in that they're going to go to the women's and then the men's, or in some cases, the men's and then the women's, but they're going to go to both and that's their day and that's what they're going to do. Um, and, you know, it's built in, it's factored in from the start. And that's how you build that huge audience to come to see the women and the men. Um, you, you do it together, you do it from the outset. So I'm afraid that actually um, anyone who says that there's an easy answer and an easy explanation, which is just to um, align all of the women's competitions with the men's, the existing ones, it, it's not going to have the same traction as the 100 does because it is that newness. Um, you almost it's almost a kind of case of saying well let's what we need to do in cricket is just tear up everything and start again from from scratch because that's kind of what they've done with the hundred but people don't people don't like that people don't like to hear that because the men's teams have got such established fan bases um, but you know it's, it's it's one of those things where actually for many years um, you know county men's counties they had their chance they had their chance to invest in women's cricket they had their chance to be really kind of movers and shakers in this area and so few of them did anything to support the women's teams yeah for, for, for the ecb literally gave the men's counties money for years yeah. to support women's cricket and if rumors we've heard are to be believed in several cases that money did not did, go to women's cricket. Reach the women. It was siphoned off and yeah. never, never arrived at the women's sides. Yeah. Um, some money did, but not all of the, the money the ECB gave them. And so, you know, I'm afraid that that's what's what's happened in the past. And there's no evidence to suggest that the counties overall have particularly changed. And in some ways, why would they? Because you know, the the, the role of those men's counties is to you know promote their men's teams. And if you give them an extra five hundred thousand a year, then you know, what are they going to do? They're going to invest that in their men's team. They're going to go, oh, we can buy Bobby Basher now because we've got an extra five hundred thousand. Um, is he Brianna's brother? Yeah, we okay. we can buy Tommy Tankett and. You know, <laughs> where do you get these? I think I think they both play for Lancashire. And <laughs> just pull them out of your head somewhere. What what goes on in that brain? Uh, yeah, but the, the the overall point is that actually, you know, the point at which men's counties should have you know stepped up and paid attention to women's cricket was in 1998 when the merger happened between the ECB and the WCA, um, and they didn't. And they had they had twenty years of doing virtually nothing, um, and so we've got the hundred because that's a new thing that the ECB have imposed, and it's done really well for women's cricket. And sorry, men's counties, but you had your chance and you blew it to some extent. Yep. Okay. Okay. So, Sid, big announcements this week. En enormous. Big announcements. announcements. Huge. Huge. <laughs> to do with contracts. Um, we've had lots of announcements, um, firstly about the England contracts and also about the regional contracts. So let's start with the England contracts. Um, obviously these are linked because you have movement between the two, um, so it becomes kind of obvious at, at certain points when you announce things that, that somebody is not going to be getting a regional contract because they've got an England contract and vice versa. So England, 
big shake-up. Yeah, the biggest shake-up there's been. I mean, we've had professional contracts for nearly a decade now. Oh. It's nearly been nearly 10 years, Raf. Um, and this is the biggest shake-up there's been. So of the 18 players that were contracted this time last year, six of them are now no longer contracted to England. Um, and we've got so six, we've got six out. coming in. Um, so are you going to tell me who they are? Do you um, remember? The, well, we've got six out. Um, two people who had already okay. announced their retirements, Anya Shrubsaw and Fran Wilson. Um, and then we've got Lauren Winfield-Hill. We've got Maddie Villiers. We've got Katie George. And you're going to have to remind me now, Raf. Who's the Who's the sixth? I haven't got it written down. Sorry. Oh no, this is this is terrible, I've got, Raf. What, I've what got it written done? down as who the new ones are. Anyway, gonna, so oh, uh, to... George Elwes. Oh yeah, go. of course. Okay, sorry. So, well, I see that it just goes to show that even we don't remember everything all the time. Anyway, so we've got six so people should, out. Let's say who the new ones are, yeah. okay? Because that's what I was originally planning to do. Um, so Lauren Bell, Alice Capsey, Charlie Dean, Freya Kemp, Emma Lamb and Izzy Wong are the new ones. Yep, so big shake-up. Uh, a lot of young players coming in with, with brand new contracts. We've got like a 17-year-old now with a, with, a, with a full England contract in there. Um, and you know a couple of um, those players, a couple of players that moved on. So Lauren Winfield Hill, let's talk about her first, maybe. Um, so she last played for England in the World Cup, but I think it's been pretty obvious from pretty much that time that she probably was going to lose her contract, mm. hasn't it? It's been kind of, I think that England pretty much made up their minds during the World Cup that that was that was. Well, she was Largely. only she was only really playing one day cricket for them at that point, um, and um, she was kind of the opener. Um, and then they sort of they, yeah, they got rid of her as the opener during the World Cup, and they've kind of now replaced her with Emma Lamb. Um, and I think that she knew that the writing was on the wall. And you really you would hope that that's happening, that they are having those conversations with people. Um, so yeah, obviously I interviewed her after um, she won the Rachel Hayhoe Flint Trophy for the Diamonds um, and she was fairly um, kind of equanimous about the situation um, and you know, just said like I'm enjoying having a great domestic season um, but actually we did have a comment from um, Margaret Glossop again um, basically saying wondering what the criteria for the contracts are because it's obviously not having a set successful domestic summer otherwise Winfield Hill would have basically um, you know Kept her contract, in there. Yeah, I mean, you? I think the answer is that they'd already made up their minds they were going to do that. Um, and especially as they kind of refocused the team, the T20 team around these younger players like Kemp and Capsey, who they obviously think are going mm -hmm. to the World Cup. Um, you know, need that. You know, Freya Kemp in particular would have presumably been in the under seven, the under nineteen World Cup because she's only seventeen. Um, and so she's she's going to be we we think almost certainly going to the World Cup. So it's a sort of younger younger new team, if you like. Yeah. Um. So you know, Lauren Winfield Hill is is not unexpected. The other the other three that have been moved down to, to regional contracts, we we understand. Um. None of them have played white ball cricket for England for like three years. Um. George Railways did play in the Test last year, but hasn't played a white ball game for a couple of years longer than that. So they were people that I kind of, I think again, it was, it was pretty much expected that they were the, would be the people yeah. that were, move, were moved on. And you know, that's life. But on the other hand, there still remains, you know, every chance for these people to play for England again in the future. If, you know, if they, they go back to regional cricket, I mean, Tash Farrant's already done this, gone mm -hmm. back to regional cricket, uh, you know, and put herself back in the frame for England, got back in the team. You know, Lauren Winfield Hill could yet play for England again, right? Um, England had a bit of a scare this week, yeah, didn't they? they? Did, when because, um, Amy Jones... <laughs> she, uh, she injured her back, didn't she, during one of the WBBL games and then couldn't keep wicket. Um, and then I think that she missed a game, but... And the latest from that is that she um, scored a half century uh, today, 
um, for the Thunder against the Renegades, was it? Anyway, in the in the Thunder's latest game, she scored a half century. So good for so her. So England will be giving a big sigh of relief yeah, there because they, they would have been a bit will. a bit concerned about yeah. what to do. But you know, Lauren Winfield Hill would have remained an option to come in and keep wicket and to to bat for England at the T20 World Cup. If and, and, you know that that could yeah happen for her and all of the other players, are, you know, young enough that they can definitely fight their way back. You know, if they want to, but it's going to be hard work mm. because there's so many players challenging for those spots now. But you know, that's what it's all about, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, do you think that there are any, I, I guess in terms of people who maybe consider themselves unlucky to miss out on an England contract, um, Maya Boucher um, potentially, who has been included in the England white ball squads for um, this this latest season and also the 2021 summer as well she she made her England debut yeah she's played a fair few games over yeah. the past sort of year or so hasn't she and she she hasn't got a central contract of course again she's got a regional contract and you know that the regional contracts are still worth worth something so she'll still be a full-time professional and in some ways I guess that that emphasizes that having an England contract doesn't really matter that much it's not it's 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 not an absolute bar on going well if you haven't got an England contract you're not going to be able to play for England no but there does end up being a kind of sunk costs fallacy in the sense of like if you have an England contract you're more likely more to likely keep to playing you, for perhaps. England yeah. so I do think it matters yeah. other person's probably Alice Davidson Richards who's maybe sat there going what have I done wrong other than you know score a test century against South Africa and then a, an ODI half century against India at a time when the team were really struggling with the bat um, and then got dropped I mean well, you know who's she annoyed <laughs> yeah um yeah and, but again, you know, she has every opportunity to play, still play in in the next couple of years. And you know, you, if if you're in that situation, you just have to, you know, keep fighting and keep working hard. And hopefully, those players will do that. Well, I know your view is that they should just abolish all of the England contracts. And... Well, yeah, there definitely is an argument to say, you know, just get rid of all the England yeah. contracts, have everyone contracted at regional levels. Um, obviously, the first thing that any England player would worry about was that the regional the regional contracts aren't worth as much money as the England contracts. But, but then you can't redistribute the money. You could have Heather Knight could be earning exactly the same money but fully contracted to Western Storm mm. if you arranged it correctly and then you wouldn't need Central England contracts and everyone would be on the same playing field I don't I, I think that that could potentially be a very good thing um, but obviously you know this the central contracts thing has kind of come out of men's cricket we've kind of retained that in men's cricket yeah. over the years haven't we you know and there's been thoughts in men's cricket about going back to kind of abolishing them and they have kind of trimmed them down at times but we keep coming back to it that the coaches really want control over those players and that's what it really remains about i guess if that did happen then are you telling me that like western storm could then actually turn around in the next year and go actually no we're going to offer that 70 grand contract or however much it is um to like I don't know, somebody else, Fee Morris or Katie George well, instead. I'm sure they wouldn't just, say no. I've literally just named two players who have just left Western Storm. Let's move on and talk about the regional contract scene. Yeah. So this has been really interesting, actually, because for the first time, it's been the regions announcing these contracts rather than the ECB. Um, who the last two years have just issued a central press release that says these are all of the regional contracted players. Um, Now, having chatted to somebody at the ECB, they are going to do that, but they're letting the regions have first dibs, basically, um, and go, okay, we're going to announce things. So the news has kind of been trickling out a little bit in dribs and drabs via Twitter, um, which has actually made life a bit harder from a kind of journalistic perspective. Um, I've been really busy with um, Bournemouth University stuff this week and you've had to be kind of filling me in on who's been announced as playing at what rather than having the news all kind of issued in one hit. 
Yeah, and it's been kind of interesting because we obviously, you know, we've had like Yorkshire, for instance, or Diamonds have, have announced their entire, you know, entire professional cohort, if yeah. you like, which meant that they um, have announced that Lindsay Smith is no longer part of their squad, which meant that Vipers had to announce that Lindsay Smith was joining them. But yeah. while Vipers haven't announced anybody else yeah. and obviously would rather have not presumably announced Lindsay Smith, ideally until they were in a position to announce their full squad, which they haven't done yet. Lightning haven't really made any announcements. They're obviously, you know, perhaps they're still in transition as they kind of move from, you know, it's a bit of a walk yeah. from... Not going to be bit, Lightning anymore. Bit of a walk from Lightning up to, up to Trent Bridge, from Loughborough up to Trent Bridge. So they're yeah. probably still slogging along there, probably trying to hitch a lift. On the, on the M1 and, you know, you're but. ridiculous <laughs> you're totally ridiculous um, we haven't really heard a lot from Western Storm either have no. we um, we know obviously a couple of people have gone yeah. uh, as you say Fee Morris and Katie George we know that they've joined other sides um, anyway let's, let's, let's think about what we have heard yeah. I mean Diamonds have very much kept the core of their squad haven't they I mean they've, they have uh, lost Lindsay Smith um, you know, who's obviously been tempted back down south, back to you know where she came from. Yeah. Um, so you know, she's kind Returned of turned to the, the glory days of the KSL. Yep. When she was selected for England on the back of those initial yep. Vipers performances, so that's an interesting one. Um, the other thing that Diamonds have done that's really interesting is um, actually so the few things so they've actually offered some people two-year contracts. And Lauren Winfield Hill, a three-year contract. Yeah, that's really interesting because that's, I've heard a few people say, well, why hasn't Lauren Winfield Hill been rewarded for her um, in, for her form by, with an England contract? But she has been rewarded for her form with a three-year contract. Yeah. Now, she's 32, I believe. Um, if just, I mean, I, I don't want to necessarily always bring the conversation over towards men's football, which is a, a bit bonkers in many ways. But, you know, it is the kind of archetype of professional sport in this country. A 32-year-old... A non-goalkeeper, 32-year-old, being offered a three-year contract is virtually unheard of at, mm. the, at the top levels of professional football. Uh, you know, and so a three-year contract for a 32-year-old taking you to 35, that's not bad going. That's, yeah. that, that's a real statement. The Yorkshire is going, we, want, we really, really desperately want to keep you. Yeah. you know, and that's a good position for her to be in, to be able to ensure that you know, she's got her money coming in for the next three years and absolutely. that she knows where she's going to be for those next yeah. three years. Yeah, so, um, well, I think she absolutely deserves it. Yeah, um, absolutely. So I'd, she has been yeah, rewarded for yeah, her form. Yeah. That's that's important. Yeah. And obviously, yeah, Diamonds have kept the rest of their squad, as you would do, because, you know, they won the RHF, they which did. is like, that's the Blue Ribbon competition. Yeah. They, they, you know, didn't win the, the Charlotte Edwards, but, you know, they didn't do too badly in that either. So, you know, that's what you would do. Yeah, um, and, and they've also... Um, what, one thing they've done that I think is interesting is they've fast-tracked the new contracts, so they're going to have all of their 10 starting at the same time. Because um, obviously, as we discussed in last week's episode, what the ECB have done is they've said, OK, we're going to have, I think it's eight who are starting immediately, and then it's going to be bumped up to 10 in February. So Diamonds have said, OK, well, we'll take a little bit of that financial hit um, and we'll pay everyone from the get-go. Um, and so everyone will start at the same time. I think that's quite important in terms of putting the whole squad on a level playing field. Um, but I, do, I just think it's interesting the way in which the regions are actually exercising a little bit of autonomy. We know that they have um, a kind of, you know, roughly a set amount that they can offer each player. We don't think that they can offer a player like a huge financial inducement to stay with them. But within the constraints that they're operating, they're actually kind of slightly manipulating the system and going, okay, we're going to offer like two year or three year contracts. And we're going to say, you come and play for us and you'll get paid immediately. And those kind of little things that, that regions can do to induce To ensure players. that they don't lose those players yeah. that they want to hold on yeah. to. Yeah, absolutely. 
Um, so yeah, and Stars have done a similar thing. So Stars have, you know, also announced that they're, mm. they're basically their full roster of contracts, mm. and they've also heard a couple of people who haven't made the contracts move on. Um, so I um, want to bring out in particular Chloe Brewer, um, that's made a move up to Sparks. Yeah. Um, and I just think that that's a really smart thing to have done. Um, and having met Chloe Brewer and spoken to her a little bit, I'm kind of, I'm not actually surprised that she she strikes me as the kind of person that would do smart things. Yeah. And she's going to be a better player as a result of doing that. Um, moving, going somewhere new, challenging yourself is the way to, to kind of take yourself that, that little bit higher because it's all about small margins at the top level of this game, right? Mm. As it is with all professional sport. You know, all of these people are good athletes, but you have to kind of make those, eke out those small margins. So good for Chloe Brewer for making a, you know, a move to the other side of the country, to, you know, to somewhere new, and she will be a better player as a result of doing that. Okay. The other side of that coin is that I'm going to mention it again. I have mentioned it before. I keep banging on about it, but I'm I'm on I'm a bit disappointed for for the, about what's happened with Bess Heath. I you know, and obviously I I don't have, have any kind of inside knowledge about what's gone on or what promises she's been made. But if if I was advising her, I would have really advised her to think seriously about moving mm-hmm. somewhere else because she needs game time as a wicketkeeper. Yeah. Um, you know, and you know, if she'd moved down to Vipers, say, with a promise that she would be their their primary wicketkeeper going forwards, um, you know, and that again, that's not saying anything about anybody else or any, anyone else's situation at Vipers. But if she'd done that, that would have put her position in a position where a career in a position where it could accelerate. She's obviously, for, for one reason or another, chosen not to make that move. And maybe you know, there's still a good chance that things work out for her. She's a great batter, but if she's going to make it as a keeper batter, she needs to be playing mm-hmm. as a keeper. And it's for me, it's a pity that she hasn't made a move which would allow her to do that. That would have been the brave thing to do. It's too safe her staying where she okay. is. But maybe she's been made other promises well, that we don't know about. Well, Diamonds have She's one of the ones who's been offered a two-year yeah. contract. So I wonder whether that's one it. And maybe she's things. been told that she will Job keep, keep is important. more. Yeah. So. Um, yeah, I think um, the other interesting move, I think, is uh, Katie George moving from Storm to Sparks. Um, and I think it's interesting because she did a bit of an interview with the cricketer about this. Um, and she was actually quite critical of what's been happening with her at Storm. Um, we know that she's been injured, so she's barely been able to play, and she's certainly not been able to bowl really very much at all um, for at least a couple of years. Um, and she basically said, like, I've been left on my own to get on with it, and I feel like I've been abandoned. I, I can't remember if she used that word abandoned, but she definitely said, like, I've been left on my own, and I don't feel like I've really been very supported by the region, so why wouldn't I move, was essentially what she was saying. Um, so I think that's that was kind of interesting, a little bit of um, a critique of, of what's happening at, at Storm, perhaps. Um, yeah, so... Yeah, I mean, she's been in an odd position because yeah. she's basically sort of had an England contract, but, you know... It's been. She's, she's been, not been. In she's the not England really setup. been part of the England so setup the as well. So the region should have been taking responsibility. It's difficult. Obviously, she's wound up, you know, kind of falling between those two hedges, yeah. and it's 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 a tough one for everyone yeah. involved, yeah. I think. And obviously, you know, I, I think that it's you can but you can see how she's ended up feeling that she's been neglected mm. as a result of that. Even if I'm sure that if you talk to the people at Storm, they'd go, "Well, no, that's not not quite the picture as we saw it." No, well, maybe they should come back out and say something I don't I don't know I just it's it's still quite rare that you see players being openly critical like that so I just thought it was interesting um I guess one of the things that we're maybe seeing with all of these moves is a little bit of player power in operation aren't we we're actually seeing players being able to go okay 
I'm going to make a decision about my own career and I'm going to do something a bit radical. But Sid, it's not looking great for the Vipers, is it? Um, and I know that you're going to be slightly anxious because they've actually lost four out of their six professionals from last year. Two of them gone to England, so they've not lost them. I guess they'll still be Vipers players. Um, but we've got Paige Schofield moving to the Stars. Tara Norris moving to the Thunder. So what's happened to this big Lottie loyalty effect, hey? Yeah, that is an interesting question, isn't it? And it's, it's um, obviously the Vipers haven't announced yet, um, apart from the no. Lindsay Smith thing. But when you look, look at all the people who are retained, it does kind of feel like that, that there's a lot of missed boats. You know, if you're, if you're a Vipers fan, put, I'm going to put my Vipers fan hat on now. Um, and, <laughs> I didn't think you'd go, ever you taken know. it off, Sid. <laughs> You know, what I wanted to hear from a Vipers announcement was I wanted to hear, we've signed Grace Scrivens. I wanted to hear, we've signed Bess Heath. That's the two that I wanted. Oh, okay. If, well, if I was, you know... Disappointment. If, if, I, if I'd been running Vipers, they were the, they were the two people that I'd be okay. really gunning for and, and, you know, trying to get to sign for me and come and play for us. But both of them, we know, are staying where they are. So Bess mm. Heath staying at Diamonds, um, Grace Scrivens staying at Sunrisers, um, you know, and who's who's left who are they mm. going to bring in and you know they, there's definitely a strong youth set up there but mm. you, you know they need to fill um you know eight contracts up here you know and i i, I wonder who's going to get those eight contracts yeah. it's going to be it's going to be a very very young cohort i suspect well those which is really you know, interesting. just those the, those players who are moving schofield and norris have seemed to have so often played such a key role for vipers um when they're really their backs are up against the walls and they're, yeah, they're in a difficult match situation and their England players are nowhere to be seen. Yeah, I mean, because they're, they're, both, they're both kind of solid, yeah. solid domestic players. Yeah, it's I mean, they're, they're... really weird seeing them play somewhere else. Yeah. Uh, anyway, interesting, interesting times. The, the market perhaps correcting itself a little bit in terms of that dominance of Vipers. Well, yeah. <laughs> You've just raised your Polly Starkey will be pleased. <laughs> From Naughty Hi, Child. Polly. Yeah. <laughs> She'll be happy. Um, overall, I mean, overall, um, you know, we're talking a lot about um, kind of players moving around, but there's not been a, a whole amount of um, kind of players being like fired or losing their jobs still. Um, and that's, in, I guess that's partly um, a result of the fact that the system um, is expanding still. So it's allowing people to kind of continue to be contracted um, who perhaps if, if the con number of contracts was were staying the same, um, would maybe be be in trouble. Um, so I think the only two players who we've seen um, who are sort of retiring or or no longer contracted. Um, so Jenny Gunn has has announced her retirement, um, and Alex Hartley as well um, is not going to be is not going to have a contract um, as we understand it. Um, she's obviously going off to to, to do media stuff. Yeah, absolutely, and you know that's probably the right point in her career to be doing that. Obviously, she's you know she's got to think about the the next thirty thirty five years of her her career, and you know she's made a successful start of it, and you know that's probably the right thing for her to be doing. Jenny Gunn, um, you know obviously that's she's time for her to you know kind of finally hang up her boots completely. I think, mm. um, and uh, but I'm sure that she'll stay around the game, and we'll we'll you know this won't be the last we'll heard of, we'll hear of Jenny Gunn. Um, but yeah, I was I was kind of expecting that there might be some more like involuntary retirements mm. that some people might you know lose a contract somewhere and find it difficult to get another somewhere else, um, you know. But with so many new contracts, that's not happened, you know. And if if you want to try and you know, think about you know your region kind of just kind of being able to produce the best side that mm. it can, 
then it does make sense to kind of take people that have been professionals for for two years rather than you know letting them letting them go. So you know someone like Naomi Dutani, you know she can say, well you know I've got, I've got two years of professional you know cricket under under my belt now. Yeah. You know I'm a solid player. You know I'm going to be that much better than somebody who's never had a professional yeah. contract. Yeah, and so it yeah. does make sense for these for these people to get snapped up by the other teams, and you know um, maybe it will balance out those teams a bit. We'll see. Okay, well it might mean that Vipers don't win everything. <laughs> well great thanks as ever for tuning in and uh bye for now see you in a week's time bye